And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. Hans Vogt, professor, Ulster County Community College. Thanks for having us. Well, gentlemen, it's nice to have you here today on a Saturday. You know, uh, past couple of uh, broadcasts on this program, we've been talking about the United States Constitution. I'm amazed it's already uh, second weekend into October, and uh, here we are again. We're not that far away, actually, from a from an election coming up. So this is a very timely subject. Um, we were talking about the Constitution and uh, some of the rights that are allowed by that Constitution uh, to the federal government, but uh, last time we just started to touch upon uh, the fact that uh, if we had more of a strict interpretation of that Constitution, probably a lot of the bureaucracy that we find today uh, would not exist. And so uh, who could get us started today talking just a little bit about... Um, what I perceive anyway, it's my opinion, as a government that is kind of top-heavy at this point. Well, one important point, I think, to recognize is that our current enormous government uh, was not created by some master blueprint or or design. It's Mm. grown piecemeal uh, over the 200-plus years um, Mm -hmm. since the Constitution was written. Uh, And it's each individual step, there was a reason for doing it, uh, and there was a, a perceived problem and, and, and solution and so forth. Um, but what's ha- but the cumulative effect, you know, people, I think, often did not stop to ask the question, you know, they asked the question, can we do this? Maybe not the question they should have asked, which is, should we do this? Yes, yeah, that's a good point. And you mentioned that something there that got me thinking, too, and that is... Um, the notion that um, this Constitution, it's not on the same level as the Holy Scriptures, is it? Uh, in other words, it's not divinely inspired. Some would have us believe that it, it's like it's, it came down to us from heaven. Well, it hasn't. Uh, I think it's safe to say, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that this is in the providence of God, uh, yeah. the, the, the Constitution of the United States was formed. Yeah, I would say it's the providence of God, but it's not by... Uh the yeah. inspiration, uh, verbal plenary inspiration of mm-hmm. God breathing into the uh, writers of it. Um, but it is in God's providence, and it was uh, uh, put together by many men who were very godly men. Mm. Not all of them, but, but many were. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a keen interest in government, and uh, I, I think it's safe to say we have a keen interest in government because we're Christians. You know, it's not the other way around. Uh, God has placed us on this earth uh, as his people to be salt, to be light, and to uh, spread the gospel Mm. to as much as possible that lies within us to uh, help build Christian civilization. I don't think it's wrong to just say that right up front. And uh, we want to see godly men and women, families, children, grandchildren that uh, are living for Christ. And when that happens... Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, we've got uh, maybe three minutes before our first break here. Uh, Mark, what would it look like, and, and Hans, um, suppose God moves in revival in America and Reformation, and uh, his, his word uh, becomes loved in the hearts of many, many people. How does that affect our society? What does it look like on the ground? 
One of the things that happens when you have an awakening is you have a, a citizenry that, that suddenly is a more acutely aware of their responsibilities. And there are certain things, if you look in the history of awakenings, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Irish awakening, there was uh, such a thing that, that occurred that a lot of the, if you will, the houses of ill repute, the bars and taverns mm-hmm. um, were shut down, not legally. They were shut down because nobody used them. <laughs> and people weren't weren't interested in the right. services exactly. anymore. Yeah. Exactly, and, and that's it, yeah. what you see. You see a reformation in, in terms of the lives of people and their efforts, and mm-hmm. you see a, a recognition of what's right and what's wrong. This, I, If there's one thing we have a problem yeah. in this nation now is to discern what is right and what's wrong. It's true. In other words, if, if I see um, revival and reformation take place, let, we live near Kingston. There are some streets on Kingston where if it's night, you may not feel comfortable walking on those streets. Right. Now, uh, our son works in law enforcement. He could tell you exactly which streets um, you probably don't want to go near in the middle of the night, not if you value your life, um, because you might be robbed or you might be accosted. Yes, even in Kingston, New York. If revival comes and God moves in, in a land, you mean to tell me I can walk down street XYZ without fearing being robbed? That's the point. God is the one who mm-hmm. changes lives. I think it was Ravi Zacharias talking, and, and somebody said, you know, well, Christianity doesn't make any difference in the lives of people. And he just kind of threw back at him. He says, uh-huh. well, if you're walking on a, a street corner at 2 a.m., and all of a sudden you see a bunch of teenagers, early 20 mm-hmm. men, a group of about 20 of them, come out of a building and cross and come right at you. Would it make a difference if you knew that they had just been to a Bible study? Oh, yeah. yes. You bet it would. <laughs> That's a good point. So, um, obviously, uh, we we want to be praying and believing God for a revival, a reformation in our own land. When we say reformation, we just mm-hmm. simply mean implementing um the the precepts and 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 laws of God exactly. in our own lives in our own land. Uh, in other words, it's wrong to steal. You know, these things are don't take a rocket scientist, do they? <laughs> uh, but, it's wrong to steal. Yeah, and, and, you're right. And even though it doesn't take a rocket science for some of it, for some of it, it does. For example, abortion is wrong. Mm-hmm, it is. And we have a large segment of our society today which says it's okay. And then we also have people who say that the Constitution ensures that right. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll probably pick that up in our next section. And that is, um, now that we've looked at uh, what society would look like um, if we start really believing the Bible and implementing it, uh, what would society look like? Um, We have this marvelous document. It's not uh, divinely inspired like the Bible is, but it is a marvelously good document. It's called the U.S. Constitution. On the other side of the break, we'll come back and talk about what would it look like in our land if we actually started implementing that Constitution and really, really, you know, try to believe and do what it says. Stay with us now. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. And guide her through the 
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today in the studio with me is the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. Hans Vogt. We're talking about the U.S. Constitution, but we're also talking about what would society look like, A, if first God moved in revival and reformation in our land, and people started loving the Lord Jesus Christ and living for Him, and B, in this section we'll talk about What would our land look like if we actually started implementing the U.S. Constitution in a more uh, faithful manner? Um, Would there be departments that would just go away? And so I I think we'll get started. Maybe, Hans, you could help guide us a little bit here uh, in that part of the discussion. Well, sure. I mean, when we talk about the, the federal bureaucracy, realize we're talking about different kinds of bureaucracies. You have, first of all, 15 cabinet-level departments now. Fifteen. Uh, Fifteen. And, and we've elected all those, right? Uh, not a one. <laughs> not a one. <laughs> the a the heads question. of these departments, of course, the secretaries and the undersecretaries, are appointed by the president. But most of the actual employees in these departments are career civil service hmm. who are in place regardless of whether Democrats or Republicans are controlling mm-hmm. the White House at any given time. We then have independent agencies that carry out specific narrower functions. Uh, NASA, for example, uh, space exploration. The CIA, right, spying and, mm-hmm. and covert operations. Um, we have independent regulatory boards and commissions, uh, such as the Security and Exchange Commission or the Food and Drug Administration. There are 38 of those. Mm. Uh, you know, with, I'm already getting confused. There's, there's yes. so much that you've, you've shared with us already. And then there's more. Uh, There's also (laughs) government corporations, which have been created by Congress to provide uh, services such as uh, the Postal Service, uh, Federal Deposit Insurance, Amtrak. Hmm. Uh, So, you know, we we have this dizzying variety of of bureaucratic agencies and so Mm -hmm. forth. Uh, in theory, they only have an administrative function that is they carry out laws passed by Congress. In reality, they are making rules uh, because laws are often vague and contradictory, and so they decide how they're going to interpret and enforce them. Yeah. And they often are judging 
uh, adjudicating violations of laws, the tax courts, for example, hmm. uh, the immigration service. Um, so in many cases, then, these bureaucratic agencies exercise all three functions of government, legislative, executive, and judicial, even though they are not provided for in the Constitution and their um, personnel are not elected. You're scaring me. <laughs> uh, this government has grown so large, um, so intrusive into our everyday lives. You know, we're, we're Americans, we're Christians, uh, we want our freedoms, um, we don't really want to be told what to do at every turn. Now, what might government look like if we took that Constitution and said, you know what, we've made some mistakes. Maybe some new people are there, uh, new representatives. Um, of course, we have an opportunity to send some new representatives in uh, next month already uh, is, is an opportunity to vote. Suppose that um, we get different representatives who really want to kind of implement the Constitution. How would things change? Well, I think you'd have a much smaller government. Um, Mm. You you can't eliminate government completely. Government is has carries out necessary functions, um, Mm -hmm. which any organized society needs. But if if you just think of the cabinet level departments, um, I think you would probably get rid of at least ten of them. Wow, um, I, I think you you know you need a State Department to manage foreign policy. You need a Treasury Department. You need a Defense Department. Um, you need a Justice Department. Um, and um, you know, I, and I think a case can be made that you need a Homeland Security Department, though perhaps it could be smaller uh, and, and much better organized than it is. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the other ten um, are not constitutionally required or even mentioned functions that could all probably be eliminated. Yeah. And we're not suggesting that it would be easy eliminating these, but uh, it's basically a thought experiment. <laughs> um, what would mm-hmm. it look like on the ground if if we really started implementing the United States Constitution? Now, aren't our leaders sworn to uphold the Constitution? Yes. Yeah, so I I hate to be so dumb and stupid. You know, why why aren't we doing this? Why Why can't we size down our government and thereby reduce our taxes and increase our freedoms, increase our productivity. Um, it seems like it's all positive things. Yeah, it's because they lied, I guess. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are fun to have in the studio. Well, um, it's a daunting task. It I, I is. Mean, I, I honestly think some people of who, who are elected to office with a good will and and I do think most people who who seek who run for office do it because they believe they can make a positive contribution to make sure. a difference. Yeah. Sure. Um, once you get into office, though, you find that it's not as easy to change things as it may have looked while you were running for office. Yeah. These you know people are entrenched in positions, um, and you know the, the 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 first rule of bureaucracy is defend the agency. You know that that is you, right. you don't give up anything. You don't give up any turf. You don't give up any ground. Mm-hmm. People don't want to lose their jobs. Um, yeah. You know, you'd have, if, if you did this and if you did it all at once, you'd have a terrible period of economic adjustment. You know, as we, we said well, last sure, week, I believe over, almost 3 million people work for the federal yeah. government. So you lay off 2 million people, you're going to have major that's economic huge. dislocations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Now, what about um, education? Um, I guess I'm a little sensitive to that because... My own experience, um, I was a Christian 
while I was going to the public school system. My parents didn't homeschool, and they couldn't afford a private school, and and um, I didn't make out actually that well in the public school system. Uh, I felt out of place there. I'd, I'd just be honest with you. Um, there was just low-level, mild forms of persecution. Um, but is government... I know it's in the best interest of government, certainly to have an educated populace. Um, how far should government go in the whole educational realm? Yeah, well, if you're asking me, I I say they should get out altogether. Um, hmm. it, that's not going to happen. No. But, you know, a lot of, I think, the problems that, that have occurred have occurred because we have a public education that has taken over and become a holy cow, mm-hmm. and you you can't meddle with it very much. But if you go back a little over 100 years, uh, many of the schools were private. The public schools, if they existed in the area at all, were run by the local townspeople, mm-hmm. um, and they made almost all the decisions. Now, you know, all you have to do is look at the budget. When you vote for the school budget, they come with this budget, and they say, we are mandated to do this. Mm-hmm. Mandated by who? Yeah, We didn't mandate you to do that. And, and it's it's very... mandated by some kind oh, of a no. government. And, and you have, um, here again, private organizations could do it. They could do it cheaper. Mm-hmm. They could do it better. You know, all you got to do is just take uh, whatever the budget is of your local school and divide in the, the number of kids, and you see how much uh, right. education costs per child. It's it's a phenomenal figure for those of us that's been a you know working with uh, homeschooling or maybe private mm-hmm. education. You realize that uh, you can educate better for a much cheaper price. And I don't want to stomp on toes. Some of you out there uh, work for the public school system. We're not trying to get rid of your job. But in the long run, I guess we could say we we would see that as a positive thing. But, of course, then you would be plugged into another and a, even a better job. Yeah. And, a, and you have a school system that's trying to be all things to all people. Yeah. Uh, that is trying – that is being – asked to take on parental roles mm-hmm. uh, where parents have abdicated their responsibility mm-hmm. as parents that's being asked to take on social welfare roles. Um, yeah, that's true. These are burdens that, frankly, the school system cannot bear and shouldn't be asked to bear in the first place. Yeah. And and for me, as a Christian, as a believer, uh, the knowledge of Christ, I, I think, is at the basis of all knowledge. Right. Now I'm getting philosophical here. Over my head, I admit it, but the knowledge of Christ is at the basis of all knowledge. And so if we presuppose the Bible to be the Word of God, that becomes a wonderful foundation on which to grow and build and, and explore this world. Uh, we realize, for example, the world is not random. I mean, mm-hmm. there's reasons for everything. Well, I've, I've digressed. Um, we're talking today about the U.S. Constitution and what would um, America look like if we really started trying to implement the Constitution and and abide by the boundaries of the Constitution. Would there be a, a Department of Education? Well, I'm hearing from you guys probably not. When did the Department of Education start? It was fairly recently, wasn't it? Uh, 1979. 79, yeah. Oh, my. Very recently. Oh, yeah, that is very recent. Yeah. Um, what about uh, Homeland Security? That That's something that's near and dear to our hearts, um, you know, with, in this world of terrorism. Would there be a Department of Homeland Security? Is that necessary? 
and yet that that seems to fall into the category of defense perhaps help me there well homeland security is the most recent one it was created in 2003 mm-hmm. um of course in response to the terrorist attacks mm-hmm. uh, of, of 2001 yeah but it's it's sort of a hodgepodge. Um, it it brings together a number of disparate uh, agencies. So immigration is in Homeland Security. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Coast Guard is in Homeland Security. Yeah. Um, FEMA is in Homeland Security, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the many of those things are functions that 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 are properly federal government functions. I mean, we think of Coast Guard and, and, mm-hmm. and immigration and so forth. Mm. But I think they make for very strange bedfellows being lumped together into one department. It does seem a little strange. Mm. Um, and, and I think that those who have been appointed as the Homeland Security, um, uh, you know, the, the cabinet officers, have found it very difficult to try to mm-hmm. manage this unwieldy <laughs> conglomeration yeah. of agencies. Yeah. Now, now, one area that seems very obvious that we need is for the defense of our people for the protection uh, of the United States citizens. And that that's a function that, the, it's a good role for government, isn't it? Right. Uh, you know, if we have an invader, uh, that there's an organization here, an army, to defend us. That's reasonable. And part of that is a function of, of how much bigger the U.S. is today okay. than it was yeah. in the Founding Fathers' Day. I mean, to, to give you some perspective, in, in when Thomas Jefferson was president in the first decade of the 1800s, uh, the entire army of the United States uh, was a little over 3,000 hmm. men, two regiments of infantry and one of artillery. Hmm. Uh, and the entire war department, which was in charge of that army, consisted of 18 men. Oh my. Now, today, the Pentagon, which houses the Department of Defense, is the largest office building in the world. Wow. Uh, we have a million and a half uh, men and women in in the uniformed armed services, mm-hmm. um, but we are of course a much larger country. We are a global superpower. Mm-hmm. We have roles that you know a, a small yeah. agrarian republic didn't have uh, in Thomas yeah. Jefferson's day. Right, and warfare has has changed as well so much that exactly you mm-hmm. need a, a larger a larger mm-hmm. army just mm-hmm. to to handle that. Well, today we're looking at the United States Constitution, and uh, actually for the past several broadcast. We've been looking at this marvelous document uh, that it's at the core of our uh, government here in America. I know that we have listeners overseas. You're listening via the internet. I hope that you find this discussion interesting and of value. Um, Our interest in the Constitution, of course, is because um, uh, the formation of the Constitution, as Mark, you had shared a couple of weeks ago, really had a Christian worldview behind it, didn't it? Yeah, I think that because it had a Christian worldview behind it, it is right in so many ways, and it is an encourager of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Regarding the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you know, obviously this is a Christian station, and uh, we're not trying to be partisan here or anything of the sort, but we're interested in this Constitution because of its background, because America has been actually a launching platform for world missions. Uh, It's here in America that we've seen marvelous freedom, freedom of religion, not just to worship, but freedom to evangelize, freedom to have a broadcast station like this on the air to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's reasonable and and prudent for us to take a great interest in government and the United States Constitution. I see we're running out of time already. Just wrap up thoughts today. 
Um, Hans, maybe you can start us off. Well, I think it is very important as Christians uh, and as citizens that we be active in defending uh, our civil liberties. Mm. Uh, And, you know, there's no reason not to do that. I mean, if you look at the Apostle Paul, he Mm. was not shy about asserting his rights as a Roman citizen. Mm. He took full advantage of that as a vehicle for spreading the gospel. Mm. Uh, and, of course, you know, there's, there's a famous scene, right, where he, he confronts the authorities after they uh, uh, had, you know, beaten him, and he said, you, yeah. you can't get away with this. I'm a Roman citizen, and I will uh, stand up for my rights. And mm-hmm. he would appeal that, of course, ultimately yeah. all the way to, to Rome itself. Yeah, they were and shocked. And preach the gospel at every step along that's the right. way. That's right. And then, in fact, that's a... What was uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, you know, that we should pray for our government authorities, that we may live peaceable lives. And, of course, behind that mm-hmm. is that we'll have freedom to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing, you know, that we be able to, again, share the gospel. And as we have freedoms, the thing is to utilize those freedoms in doing just that. That's right. And also a reminder that uh, Election Day is coming up. I believe it's, what, uh, November the 2nd? So it's not long where you will have the privilege. It's a great privilege, isn't it, in this Mm -hmm. country to elect your representatives. And it's a godly thing to do. And try to elect representatives that are closest to the Christian worldview, just simply put. Well, we're out of time already for a plain answer. Thank you so much for joining us today in the studio. Joining me has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. Hans Vogt. A reminder that these broadcasts are posted on our website under a plain answer. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. May our Lord richly bless you today as you serve Him. <laughs>